Okay. Well, good morning. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend this week uh, who said that at the beginning of the pandemic, he felt closer to Christ than he had felt in years. But over the past few weeks, as the pandemic has worn on and as the economy has gotten worse, he's really begun to struggle spiritually. He's struggling to believe the things that Christ said about himself. And he's wondering if Christ is really establishing his kingdom here and now. Now, as I sat and I listened to him, I applauded him for his honesty. And I told him that I don't think he is alone. Trauma and suffering have a way of sometimes shaking our foundation. And my guess is that many of us here at Hope Chapel, and those of you who might be watching for the first time, we've begun to wrestle with some of the same things. And if you aren't wrestling and asking questions, you probably know someone who is. So I thought it might be helpful over the next several months to take a deep dive into the first eight chapters of the book of Mark. Now, I chose Mark because it was written during a time of suffering for the Jewish Christians in Rome. The Christians in Rome were being persecuted by the Roman emperor Nero. Nero was notorious for his hatred of Christians. He would line the streets as you came into Rome with the bodies of Christians on poles. And he found great joy in throwing Christians to the lions. It was an extremely painful time for the church. And it was under Nero's reign that the apostle Peter was martyred in Rome in 60 A.D. But prior to Peter's death, John Mark spent time with Peter, listening to firsthand accounts of Jesus's life and ministry. John Mark then put pen to paper and he recorded those accounts into what is the first of four Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. Now, Mark wrote his Gospel with two purposes in mind. The first was to ensure that the oral tradition of Jesus would be memorialized so as to prevent false teachers from coming in and distorting that truth when all the eyewitnesses had passed away. And then secondly, he wrote the Gospel of Mark to encourage the Christians suffering in Rome by reminding them who Jesus is and what he came to do. So my hope over these next few months, as we go chapter by chapter through the book of Mark, is that that no matter where you are in your faith journey, the Holy Spirit will grow your faith in God and encourage you to persevere no matter how great the suffering. This morning, we're going to begin by looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And as we look at these eight verses, we see two things that I want us to consider this morning. The first is our faith is rooted in the past. And then secondly, our faith is grounded in Christ's work. Pray with me 
Father, we're grateful this morning for the privilege of opening your holy word. Lord, we pray as we sit in our living rooms <coughs> that you would take away the distractions around us. That you'd give us ears to hear. Lord, that you'd speak to our doubts about you and about your kingdom. That you'd speak to our fears about this pandemic. Lord, would you encourage us this morning? And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you have your Bibles, to open to Mark chapter 1, or you can look in the worship guide. And the first thing I want us to consider as we look at these eight verses is that our faith is rooted in the past. Now, as you watch television these days, you probably have seen the commercial for Ancestry DNA. Ancestry DNA is a service that takes your DNA and it helps you trace your family tree. One of their taglines is build a family tree and see your story emerge. Build a family tree and see your story emerge. The whole idea is that we can discover more about who we are and our identity as we look to our past. Likewise, for the Christians in Rome who were struggling with questions about their identity in Christ, Mark immediately begins his gospel by rooting their faith in the past. He tells them, your faith is not some fly-by-night religion. Jesus was not like so many who came before or after him, proclaiming to be the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Mark presses this point by turning their attention to the past as he quotes from Isaiah's prophecy found in chapter 40. That was nearly written 800 years ago. In Isaiah 40, God says this to Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arms rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Mark says, remember this good news that was proclaimed 800 years ago. God said he would not forget or forsake his people. He said that he would first send a prophet to go before the Savior. And then he would send the Messiah, 
the Lord into our world, not to condemn our world, but to save it. Mark says, look, look, remember John the Baptist. Look at Jesus. Isaiah's prophecy has been fulfilled. Isaiah said he would send someone to prepare the way. And John the Baptist was that person. And like Elijah and Elijah who came before him, if you look at verses 6 and 7, John the Baptist not only dressed the part of a prophet, he was a prophet. Mark writes this, he was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Isaiah's prophecy has been fulfilled. Tim Keller commenting on this passage, he he says that Mark declares that the ideal has become real. The immortal has become mortal. The impossible has become possible. The king that Isaiah says is coming has come. Yes, it's time, church in Rome. Though you live in a polytheistic society, and I know others have come proclaiming to be the Messiah, I know you are suffering tremendously for your faith, but your suffering is not in vain. Your faith is not foolish. For your faith is rooted in history. Your identity is rooted in ancient Israel, who God promised to send a king to deliver his people. And this king is Jesus Christ, who has come into the world. This is the beginning of the good news. This is the gospel message that was given to you. And the gospel message that you received in faith. So this morning, if you find yourself wrestling with your faith and wondering if God is active and alive in our world in the midst of such incredible suffering and wondering if Christ is truly the Messiah, the Son of God, Mark says unequivocally, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Savior of the world. Your faith is rooted in history. Look to the past to discover your story, to discover your true identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And though we suffer for a season, God is good. God is active. And Jesus, the coming King, has come into our world and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. Together, they are working to carry out God's will and to reign over all the world. And so as the great hymn, O Church Arise, that we sing often here at Hope Chapel States. O Church Arise, and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our Captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong. In the strength that God has given, with shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. 
An army bold whose battle cry is love. Reaching out to those in darkness. So the first thing that we see in our passage this morning is our faith is rooted in the past. Secondly, we see that our faith is grounded in Christ's work. Our faith is grounded in Christ's work. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty tired. I was sitting in my chair this morning and I was asking God, uh, what is it that he wanted to say to us this morning through our passage? And as I sat and I told him that I'm emotionally and spiritually exhausted from these past eight weeks. My heart has, has broken again and again and again as I see so many of our people struggling. So many people losing jobs. As I think about the loss of Trip and others. The freedoms that we once had to go and hug one another or just to drop by their house to say hello. These eight weeks have been really, really hard on all of us. And, and this morning as I sat there, I told God that I'm, I'm just exhausted. And I don't know if I can keep going on. I know that's probably something that you don't want to hear your pastor saying, but it's the truth. And as, and as I sat there crying out to God, God impressed on me to go back and read these eight verses. And as I read it, he reminded me <clears throat> that we can find rest today. Because our faith is, is not up to us. It's not our work. It is grounded in Christ's work. For our Western eyes, it's easy to miss this truth from our passage. But since Mark's audience was so familiar with Judaism, they would have picked it up immediately. They were familiar with the idea of washings and immersions. They knew that before you entered the temple to worship, you were to take water and wash your hands. The washing provided a ceremonial cleansing so that you could then enter the temple. And if you were a Gentile, before you entered the temple, you not only had to wash your hands, you had to fully immerse yourself with water. The ceremonial washing was something that had to be done for centuries. And everyone, that knew, everyone knew that you had to do it yourself. It was your work before you could worship. So you can imagine how shocking it must have been to have John the Baptist arrive on the scene. And to tell everyone, you're not to wash yourself I have to wash you. Look at verses four and five. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John the Baptist says to the people, you want to worship God. You must let me wash you. Come on down to the river and let me immerse you. 
John came baptizing in the wilderness, calling people to turn from their sins so that our hearts might be ready to receive the good news of the gospel. John the Baptist tells us that while he baptized them with water, calling them to repentance, there is one even greater, Jesus Christ, who has an even greater work. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' work will provide salvation for all of those who believe. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one can boast. The truth that Mark testifies to this morning is that we cannot save ourselves. Our faith is not based on our work, but rather on the work of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said to Mark's audience then, who were exhausted in the midst of living out their faith in a hostile pagan society. And he said to me and to us this morning, as we live out our faith in the midst of this pandemic, it's not your work. It's Christ's work in us. Hear Jesus' words to us from Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our faith is not dependent on us. It is grounded in Christ's work. And this is a good word for us this morning. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the future holds, we can rest knowing that our faith is in Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, who did not need to be washed because he was perfect. But he let John baptize him. And not only was he baptized with water, he was baptized unto death so that we no longer have to wash ourselves to try to save ourselves. We are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as I sat in my chair, I took a deep breath and I excelled, knowing that I can find rest through my union with Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. I wonder this morning, do you need rest? Are you weary? Be encouraged because salvation is not dependent on you. You can stop striving. God turned the system upside down, sending John the Baptist first to do the washing and then ultimately sending his only son who would wash us in such a way that we have been given a new status, righteous in God's sight, and a new nature set free from the dominion of sin, sons and daughters of God. This morning, we are embarking on a two-month journey through the first eight chapters of the Gospel of Mark. 
My encouragement to you over these next two months is to take time each week to read all the way through the gospel of Mark. Bathe yourself in God's word. And my hope is just as the followers of Christ who were enduring incredible persecution under Nero were encouraged and challenged in their faith as they were reminded who Jesus is and what he came to do, that we too will be encouraged and challenged in our faith. For Mark reminds us that our faith is grounded in the past. It's not a fly-by-night religion or another human declaring himself to be the Savior. Our faith is grounded in the ancient Israel whose coming king has come. And it is this coming king who says to us this morning, it's not your work. Stop striving. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May we taste his shalom today as Christ continues to bring shalom to the brokenness in our lives and to the world around us. Amen.